Good morning. It is None of Your Business Podcast, a podcast where we talk about anything but your business and ask questions that's none of your business. Thank you for joining me today. Now let the show begin. Hey guys, so we are rolling into season two of None of Your Business Podcast, where we are bringing you inspiring storytelling from the heart. Now, with season two, we, I don't know when I'm going to be publishing new episodes, like I'm moving, a new job, I honestly don't know, so for a month or so it might be a little out of whack um but i'm at least going to get you guys one interview each week that's no matter what so uh the format of my release dates are going to be a little bit different and you're going to hear just a little bit different uh context in this season coming up so i hope you guys enjoy please go rate and review on itunes Please share this with a friend. And with always, I love you guys. I'll talk to you soon. Hey guys, and real quick before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to talk about my friend Michael Chauncey's program. It is the Create Fit Tribe. And really what it is, it's just a online mastermind for fitness individuals who maybe are just beginning their fitness journey with the new year's resolution or somebody who wants to compete you're gonna have you know your own unique nutrition and workout plan designed specifically for you but you're also gonna have this community of like-minded individuals to get motivation and support questions love it's gonna be like a family guys so check out the show notes find her on instagram at facebook michael chauncey instagram tyler michael chauncey i love you and enjoy the episode okay we are on so what is up how are you welcome to the none of your business podcast Thank you so much. It's it's great to meet you. I really appreciate you inviting me on and taking the time. Yeah, no, this is I'm glad that Natalie connected us. She is an amazing person. And uh yeah, I've met a lot of interesting people through her. So who are you? What do you do? So my name's Diana Merriam, and I actually work in brand extension. So I've built a corporate career in brand extension through the business model of licensing, which, um, so if you think about products like Welch's fruit snacks or Lysol sponges or Ralph Lauren bedding, all of those products come to market through licensing. So it means that we find a manufacturer who makes the product they sell the products, they market the product, they literally do all of the work and take on the financial risk and then they pay a royalty back to the brand owner. So I, I work at an agency where I sit in the middle and I find those partnerships, I negotiate those deals um, and then we have a team that manages those businesses day to day. So that is how I make money but what I'm really interested in is the management of that money. And so I have gotten very much into the FIRE movement within the last five years. Are you familiar? No, I'm not. You want to tell us more about that? Yeah. So the FIRE movement stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. And it is a growing number of people like me where we are saving very large percentages of our income, investing well, and putting ourselves in the position to reach financial independence and have the option to retire early very young. Uh, I mean, there are people doing this at like they're retiring at like 30, 40 years old. Really? Um, Yeah. And so this is something that I discovered when I was living in New York. I was 30 grand in debt. Um, and I became across this blog called Mr. Money Mustache. Mr. This guy, yeah, I know it's a funny name, but it's a really good blog. And this guy retired at 30 years old from saving like 75% of his income while he was working. It's something like that. I'm probably getting the number wrong, but the point is that it was, he was saving a lot and investing. 
And it just totally changed my relationship with money. It enabled me to um, basically get out of the cycle of mindless spending, um, get out of that 30 grand of debt in 11 months. Mm -hmm. I started saving 60% of my income. And now I'm in a position where I will be financially independent by the time I'm 40. Wow. And, um, I will be able to retire early. So it's something that it just completely changed my life. Um, the, the way, the things that I've been able to do because I've been able to see money as a really powerful resource for me. Um, it's just been incredible. Like if you would have told me five years ago that I was going to move to Cincinnati from New York city and negotiate a remote working arrangement with my employer, or that I was going to take two months off of work unpaid to go walk the Camino in Spain. It took me 38 days to walk 500 miles across Spain. Wow. Um, you know, I moved to Cincinnati. I bought a house. I had never thought I was going to buy a house. So it was never on my radar of something I was even interested in or even thought was possible for me. Um, I adopted a dog. I found myself a Midwestern gentleman. Like life is good. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Yeah. And, um, and then I've been in a position to start my own business. Um, which I don't really even call it like a side hustle or, um, I really call it more of a passion project because I'm, it's not set up, up for me to really make money off of it. Um, it's, it's really a passion project where I'm creating this event, um, to make these concepts that changed my life more accessible to others. So I'm, I'm positioning it kind of like the Ted talks of the fire movement and it's a conference. Oh, yep. Mm -hmm. The Ted talks, the fireman. What do you mean by that? So if you think about Ted talks, right, they mm -hmm. are spreading ideas that matter and they are putting, you know, a, a really engaging speaker on a stage, um, to really examine these like thought provoking ideas and they make it very accessible to people. You can watch them free online. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to do the same thing with, with these um, speeches that the, I have nine speakers who are participating in this event. Um, and so TED Talks are just very, it's a very broad subject matter, whereas my event is, is very specific to, um, it's really rooted in the fire movement. But what I say on my you know, marketing materials is that we're exploring this concept of a new American dream. I mean, if you think about the American dream, as a lot of us understand it, it's you, you know, you get the good grades, you go to the college, you go to college, you, um, you graduate, you climb the corporate ladder, you buy the biggest house that you, that the bank will give you a loan for. Um, you have your 2.5 kids, you drive around in your brand new cars and, um, you make a lot of money and then you work nine to five until you're 65 and that's it. That's typically what we think of as, as someone that's successful. Mm -hmm. And I think what we're doing in the fire movement is we're questioning that and we're redefining what is the American dream to me? What if I don't want to subscribe to that narrative? What if I want to create my own narrative? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I think that, um, it's, it's really kind of highlighting these questions of like what kind of life would make me happy versus what society tells me should make me happy. Um, yeah. And it, it just, it's had such a huge impact on me that, um, I'm just thrilled to be in a position to be able to share it with other people. Right on that. Super interesting. That's, that's amazing. Good for you. So when you're living in New York, you're just making money, spending it, living life what struggles did you go to like switch your patterns or your habits into saving money and what were the yeah. struggles to do on that um well i think when i think about my 20s i think about how career oriented that i was like i used to say when i was younger that i wanted to be the world's highest paid female ceo mm -hmm. and like what was the motivation behind that it was status and money that's what I thought that I wanted. That's what I thought was going to make me happy. But, you know, it really turned me into kind of a workaholic. And mm -hmm. I reached the end of my 20s and realized that I was so hyper-focused on my career that I really neglected every other area of my life. I was single for a long time. Um, I was stressed out. I was burnt out. Um, and I just felt, 
I felt very unsatisfied in ways that I wouldn't have anticipated given how fortunate I am. So it just caused me to ask a lot of questions like, what do I actually want? Um, what do I want to do with my time? You know, questions about money and, and how that plays a role in the way I design my life. Um, they're just really big questions, right? That don't have very clear cut answers. I think it requires a lot of like self-exploration to, to really digest, yeah. you know, the, those kind of questions. Mm -hmm. Who am I? Right. Yeah. Who, and who am I outside of work? You mm. know, I think, a, I think a big part of walking the Camino for me was for me to take two months off of work and discover who I am without that identity. No one on the Camino asked me what I do for a living. Really? They wanted to know who I was. They wanted to know why I was walking the Camino. Um, you know, it's really, those conversations really go a cut deeper and you learn a lot about yourself. Yeah. So like, where did the idea of I'm going to go walk the Camino, like, you're just like, I'm stressed out, screwed, I'm going, like, where, what kind of mindset were you on to agree yeah. to do that? So the idea originated from, I have an aunt who she walked it when she was in her forties and she, really? she really had a great experience and highly recommended it to me when I was maybe like 25. Okay. And in my mind, it was like, okay, maybe one day I'll do this thing. And she did tell me that my uncle wanted to do it for his 70th birthday. What? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was thinking like, okay, my uncle's going to walk 500 miles across the country at 70 years old. I, I can't let him do that alone. You know, right. like what if he needs help? Like what if he, I, I just, I think my original motivation was to support him on this goal. And then a few years later, I remember I was talking to my aunt and I'm like, what's that thing that you said you guys are going to do the Camino or something like that? Like when, when are you actually going to do that? And she was like, she kind of calculated in her head and she goes, oh, he's turning 70 in two years. So we're two years away from doing this thing. And I was like, what, if I'm going to go, like, I got to get my life in order. I got to figure out like, you know, I got to get out of debt. I got to save myself a nest egg so that, you know, I thought I was going to have to leave my job. Uh, the way it worked out, they, they agreed to give me a, um, a sabbatical, basically like a leave of absence to go do this. But I didn't know that at the time when I was planning it, I, mm -hmm. I assumed that like, it's such an unconventional ask. I just assumed like, if I wanted to leave for two months, well, then I don't have a job when I get back. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, it worked out very much in my favor that I did have a job when I got back. Um, but yeah, the original motivation was to go to support him. And then as I was preparing and learning more about it and digging into it, um, it really started to be like something that I wanted to do for myself. And ironically, um, three months before we were leaving, my aunt and uncle told me that they couldn't go. So I ended up going alone because by right that on. point I had like re-engineered my whole life to be able mm -hmm. to go do this crazy thing. So yeah. I was so invested by that point that like, and I, and I actually think it was really important for me to do alone. Um, I'm, I'm glad that it worked out that way. Yeah, that's, that's cool. So what are some, what's the mindset you were in while on this two month journey? Well, um, I definitely started out like very nervous. I was very insecure about my ability to actually do that. Um, and why do you think that? I, I'm not a very athletic person. I, I'd never considered myself that before. And I mean, I would work out, but like, you know, I wasn't very like sports oriented. I hadn't done a lot of hiking before the Camino. I mean, I did when I was like training, but it was like around a city. It wasn't like going off into the mountains and hiking. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, just my physical ability to do it. I think I was a little insecure about that though. I did a lot of training and, and that was probably the one area of preparation that I feel like I, I probably overdid it, but like in a good way, like I was actually very physically able to do it. I didn't struggle as much as like I saw the people around me struggling. So that, that piece of it, it was good to over prepare and train. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what I could have never prepared for is the mental aspect of it because 
really what you're doing every day is you're waking up at like six, seven in the morning and you're getting your stuff ready to walk 10 to 20 miles. And your only job is to walk to the next town or wherever you plan to walk to that day and find food, find shelter. I mean, the uncertainty of not knowing where I was going to find food and where I was going to sleep every night, you know, being able to learn how to be comfortable with that uncertainty and just trusting that you're going to be guided to what you need. Um, I'm a very type A kind of planner. So that experience was, I think, important for me to, to kind of relax a little bit and trust that, um, you know, sounds kind of mystical and woo woo, but like I'm guided by the universe. I actually, I got a tattoo here on my wrist of an arrow and I got this tattoo because the whole way is marked by arrows. They're like spray painted on trees and stuff. Okay. So, so every time I would see an arrow, it was like this really comforting symbol to me that, Mm. Oh man, I'm not lost. And I am being guided. Um, I like that. Yeah. So I, I, when I look at this arrow, I, I try to, remember that feeling of like i i can trust that everything's going to be okay that's i like that i like that so i got a pause button on my wrist because mm. mm-hmm. i don't it's in a it, it's in a whatever. weird spot but I it's see in it. a weird yeah, spot yeah, yeah. so uh i got a pause button on my wrist and when i'm like freaking out and like because sometimes i get angry um especially like so i'm a recovering drug addict codependent uh really the last year like had a lot of self-development on me and like finding out who I am and what I want. And, uh, I put, I put the pause button on my wrist so I can just take a break, take a break and, and trust that the universe is going to take care of me, whatever it is. You know, I, I, Mm -hmm. um, back in 2018, I was uh, living in Las Vegas. I was homeless on the street. Didn't know when I was going to eat next. Uh, me and my fiance at the time, that's a whole nother situation. It was codependent, toxic, just bad situation. I didn't know where I was going to eat my next meal. And when I came back to Montana, then I realized like I needed to do something different. Like, obviously like what, like I keep relapsing. What is different this time? Yeah. So I think having this podcast and having people on like yourself and like giving the people the tools to overcome these things, like what are like three things that you would recommend somebody to prepare for their walking the kimono in life? Like, cause we all, we all go through struggles Um, and mentally, like what are some things that you can give somebody to mentally get Mm -hmm. through their struggles? Well, I think everybody's different, right? Okay. And everyone kind of has their unique, unique approach to life and has unique needs. Like one of the things that um, they say about the Camino is that the Camino provides and mm. the Camino is going to put you in situations that are, are, are going to force you to grow. And that's different for everyone. So yeah. like I met people on the Camino where their struggles were physical and, you know, they had really bad blisters or they had some kind of inner uh, injury or they pulled a muscle and they've got to figure out physically, how do I, do I quit? Do I muscle through this? Um, you know, sometimes the things that Camino presents are, um, for me, it was about, I think, relationships and um, really forcing me to deal with why have I been single for so long? You know, what it what is, where are my like internal demons that are, um, causing me to have such a hard time with really romantic relationships. Mm -hmm. And I, I anticipated that this is something that I wanted to address on this kind of spiritual journey, but I thought it was going to be, um, walking along the countryside by myself, thinking about it. Like I imagined it be being very cerebral, cerebral and, and having a chance to like be alone and investigate that Mm -hmm. internally. But what ended up happening is on the first freaking day, the Camino drops an Australian man right in front of me (laughs) and I totally fall for him and I chase him across the country. Oh, And yeah. 
And so it was almost like the Camino is like, yeah, that's great. Let's watch this play out in real time. Like, let's watch what you do with men. (laughs) (laughs) And and let's evaluate that. And it's funny because I recently reread all my journals um, because I would journal every day while Mm -hmm. I was on the Camino to try to like digest the experience and figure out what was going on and, and trying to capture these lessons that um were being presented to me and i mean the journals are all about him i mean it's just me ruminating over and over about this guy who it was very like dramatic push pull i mean i I was a little cringeworthy reading it because it felt so immature um you know that i just had such an emotional connection to this guy mm-hmm. and it it dominated my whole trip and i felt like i was losing out on some of the other gifts of the camino and being able to enjoy other people because i was so preoccupied with this guy um i remember one line i said he feels like the salt of the camino like he feels like like everything was bland when he wasn't there and he was the flavor you know, but I got very attached to a person that was clearly not right for me. And that didn't treat me the way that I wanted to be treated. And I think it was really important for me to experience that because, you know, um, about a year and a half ago. So after the Camino, I meet my boyfriend who I'm with now, and he is amazing. He's like, he, I mean, it's night and day the way this guy treats me versus my experience with the Camino guy. And, you know, I think it really kind of showed me the difference between infatuation and love. Mm -hmm. I was infatuated with that guy, you know, and I was so willing to ignore the red flags and ignore all the reasons why it wasn't right because he was the salt, you know, and and there was, there was just a a really strong connection there. Um, Whereas my boyfriend now, like he has more integrity than anyone I've ever met and he, I've never felt, I've never doubted the way he feels about me. I've never, I trust him more than I've ever trusted anyone. You know, it's just, he's the real deal. But I think I almost had to experience someone who wasn't the real deal in order to like really appreciate what I have now. So as hard as it was at the time, it's a, it was a really beneficial experience for me, but I, during the time it was just torture, you know? yeah i can i can relate a lot like that like you were walking the camino i was walking the streets of las vegas Mm -hmm. (laughs) somebody completely different um just i I can relate a lot to with what you're saying um i always thought like just because somebody smiles at me they love me but it's Mm -hmm. not real love it's just that counterfeit love Mm-hmm. If, you know, you, you say that you love me, but then you're going off and cheating with me. You're just treating me yeah. or beating me or whatever. Like, that's not real love. Like, and I would take that counterfeit love and I would just dive deep in it. Like, oh, I'll do anything for that. And then when you take that source of love from me, I'm like, give me it. Like, I'll do anything. Just I'll sell my body or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I need that counterfeit love. And then, like, before, you know, this journey that I'm on now, like, now I understand what real love is. And having those like deep, meaningful conversations and really respecting boundaries for myself. Well, I, one, I appreciate you for telling me and my audience the experience that you went through. Um, I, I thank you for doing that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, I remember when I got back, I was, I, I was pretty depressed when I got back because I felt like I had this amazing opportunity of two months off of work and I almost felt like I wasted it because I was so like, and I I will be doing the Camino again. I mean, I did it for my 30th birthday. I'm going to do it for 40, 50, 60, 70, and 80. So I've got five more shots to do it right, I guess, but I didn't do it wrong. Right. Like I, I felt like I did it wrong, but in now having some space from it, I didn't do it wrong. I got exactly what I needed. I just didn't realize it at the time. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things. Like we put, we have so many expectations for ourselves and for experiences that sometimes letting the experience be what it is versus what you think it should be is, is actually better for you. 
Yeah, totally. Expectations are premeditated resentments. Yeah. Like that's yeah. Wow. That I like that. I'm just, I just want to sit and ponder on that for a moment. Like that's deep. Right on. So you got this event coming up, right? In Cincinnati. That's right. Yep. So it's called the Economy Conference, like M E at the end. Okay. Um, and it's happening at on March seventh at the March. University of Cincinnati. Um, and it is a full day event. So I am like five weeks out. I am in the throes of making sure that the attendee experience is amazing. Like I, I wake, I, I actually read one of my speakers speeches on a plane two days ago. And I was sitting on the plane reading the speech and just feeling what I would feel if I was sitting in the audience listening to it. And it was like, I just felt like my heart was going to explode. Like I could not wait for people to hear these speakers because they're amazing. They're such amazing people. They're working so hard to like make sure that they have an amazing speech and that Mm -hmm. they, they, I mean, it's really to inspire the audience. I mean, I think when it comes to personal finance and what we're doing with our money and the fire movement, it's so unique to each person, right? Everybody has their own unique set of circumstances, of preferences, of, of, of a unique skill set. I mean, I can tell my story about what I've done with my money, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's repeatable by someone else. And so I don't think that we're sharing our stories because we're saying, hey, we did it, you should do it too. It's more about inspiration to when you see that someone is experiencing their life in a very expansive way, I think it can kind of make you question, well, what, what about that maybe I can apply to my own life? Um, I like to say that we don't have all the answers at this event. I don't think you should expect to come to the event and you're just going to figure out your whole financial life. But I think we're asking the really big questions and you're going to come up with your own answers over time. But this is an event that is creating community and um, a resource for people to um, start asking themselves the really big questions. You know, I, I was on, when I got on this plane last night, I, from beautiful Fargo, North Dakota, I love Fargo, by the way, um, people think I'm crazy, but I just love it. That, that place is so cool. But anyway, um, I was talking to this guy, he was 55 and I'm telling him about this event. And a lot of people like older people kind of like pat me on the head, like, Oh, good for you. You think you're going to retire by 40? Like, you know, I've got more years of experience than you and blah, blah, blah. Right. And so this guy was planning on retiring in eight years, which I'm also eight years away. So we're on the same timeline. And, um, he goes, but he has more experience, right? Right, right, right. But he said, like, well, why would you retire by 40? Like, what are you going to do? And I said to him, I don't see retirement. And I I do think that the fire movement is changing the definition of retirement, just like we're changing the definition of the American dream. Mm -hmm. Um, Because when you most people think about retirement, they think it means you stop working and you sit on the couch all day or you're vacationing or, you know, I don't think retirement means that you stop working. I think retirement means that you are no longer required to work for your livelihood, that you're living off of your investments. You're good on the money side. You actually don't need to work for money. So now what work do you want to do to light the world on fire? Mm-hmm. And, and to be able to ask yourself that question so early in life um, almost makes the pursuit of fire um, like the beautiful part of the journey. I mean, my the way... I, the way my life has changed just because I'm pursuing financial independence has led me to create a life that it's almost irrelevant if I ever reach it because I love my life now, you know? And, um, when I think about what I'll do in retirement, this event was actually like a dream that I I would want to implement if I didn't have to work for money. But the thing is, I just got so damn excited about it that I couldn't wait. And so I'm not making any money off of this event. I'm actually spending a lot of my own money on this event and I'm fully funding it myself. It's a, it's a huge production. It's extremely expensive. Um, but it's what to be able to create what I want to see in the world 
and have the resources to do that, that feels like wealth to me, you know? And so, um, you know, I think about, you know, I'm not going to have children. I decided I don't want to have children. So, you know, then I think about how much I'm spending on this event. If I decided I want to have a kid, I'd be spending a lot more than this. And so oh. to me, economy is like my baby. I mean, this is, this is my creation. And, um, I just really love it. And I love that I get to share it with people. It's just super, super exciting. So, um, the day, basically it's a full day event. We are going to have two sessions of speakers. So there's a, a morning session in the afternoon. We're breaking for three hours. So you can go get lunch. You can opt to watch, um, a new documentary that just came out called playing with fire. It's the first documentary about the fire movement. It's incredible. Um, so you have the opportunity to see that, or you can opt to participate in what we're calling attendee led meetups. So get together with other people who are interested in real estate or investing, or, um, we're leading a session on healthcare options, um, in, early retirement, because that's actually the number one reason why people don't retire early, even though they are financially independent is because healthcare is a hard thing to figure out. And it can be really costly, um, when you retire young. So we're leading a session on that. Um, one of my speakers, Lynn Frere, she actually just launched a website called Phi Healthcare and it's, it's community sourced crowdsourced, um, information about healthcare options. Wow. And so it's a lot of knowledge sharing and all that. So she, she's going to lead that session. We're also doing sessions on like entrepreneurship and the pursuit of financial independence, because I think it's important to address that the way you, um, approach your personal finances are not necessarily the way you should approach, um, money when it comes to your business. So why do you think that? Because the money that you invest in your business is an investment. The money that you spend on a car is not an investment. So there's a lot of like practices of frugality that I think that you can implement in creative ways in your personal life that if you apply it to your business, you may just be not investing in a way that's going to help you grow. Um, so like even on economy, I don't look at it as spending money. I look at it as, is investing in this business. Um, so I just think that it's kind of a different mentality. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have like three tips you could give our listeners to like start saving money, investing down that road path? Like, sure. If you're going to tell the younger version of yourself, three things, what would it be? So typically the big, th there are three big areas where you can make a big difference in your finances. It's usually transportation, housing, and food. So for example, um, like when I was younger, I was in college and I bought a brand new car at my car payment was like $400 a month. It was such a stupid financial decision. Um, but I would never buy a new car now. I mean, and again, everybody has their own personal preferences. I bought a 2010 Mazda three for $6,000 in cash done. Never think about a car payment. My insurance is super cheap. Um, it serves its function of getting me from point A to point B and my transportation is, is a non-issue. Um, housing costs. Most people buy the biggest house that they can afford or that the bank will give them a loan for. Um, I would really encourage people to, um, think about that. I mean, how do you get your housing needs met in the most resourceful way. So, so an example for me, um, I moved to Cincinnati. I bought a house that was well below my means. Um, I went from paying $1,800 a month for a cockroach filled apartment in the bowels of Brooklyn <laughs> to paying $600 a month on a mortgage for a beautiful house. It's a two bedroom, two bathroom, and I have a roommate that's covering that entire mortgage. Oh, so, yeah. So that's like house hacking at its finest. Um, but that's a, you know, it's, it, it was a resourceful way for me to get my housing needs met. Now, granted, you know, I don't have any kids. I, you know, I, I have the benefit of living in the lowest cost of living metro area in the U S I'm not saying that everybody can do this, but I am saying that everybody can think about what are other ways I can get my, get my needs met. And then when it comes to food, um, I learned to be a really great cook. I mean, I cook almost every meal that I eat. 
there are times that I still go out to eat, but especially when I was getting out of debt, I did not go out to eat. Um, I cooked every single meal that I ate and I ended up really loving it. I love cooking for other people. I mean, my boyfriend lucked out because I (laughs) cook him like extravagant dinners all the time and he loves it. And I love it because I see how much he loves it. Like, it's just a, it's like a special thing that we share. I love cooking him a meal. Um, and so, yeah, I would really encourage people to kind of get over any hesitation they have on preparing food for themselves because, it's something that you need to do every day. You need to eat. And I think that you can cook yourself really healthy meals at a lower cost than if you kind of outsource that or you're getting takeout all the time or you're going to restaurants all the time. And a lot of people have objections to that when it's like, oh, I don't want to cook for just one person. But I would encourage you to question that assumption because I cook for one person all the time and light yourself a candle and, and see it as self-care because it, it can be really gratifying. Right? Yeah. Like going out, just say you're eating McDonald's three times a day. That's 10 bucks. That's 30 bucks each day for 30 days. Like depending on how much money you make, oh, it's still 300 bucks on fast food each month. It's not. But, and regardless of the money, that is not food. Like you need real nutrition. Yeah. Right? I, I think that there's a huge difference between being frugal and being cheap. Um, mm-hmm. when I, when I lived in New York, the cheapest lunch option, um, was like, they have all these dollar pizza shops where you can just get a slice of pizza for a dollar. That is the yeah. cheapest option, but I wouldn't necessarily say that's the frugal option. The frugal option is me bringing a kale salad that I made myself that mm-hmm. maybe is a little bit more expensive than a dollar. Um, but it gets my nutrition needs met in the most resourceful way I can think of. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't consider myself cheap. I think I spend lavishly on things that really matter to me and I, I cut out everything else. I mean, I hate shopping for like clothes. I barely do it every now and then I have to, but my resourceful answer to that is I host clothing exchanges. So I invite all my more fashionable friends to, oh. clean, out, to clean out their closets and I benefit from their fashionable hand-me-downs. Um, that is that, a great idea. Yeah. I mean, that's just, but, and, and that's why like when people looked at how I got out of debt so fast and how I saved 60% of my income and all they see is perceived restriction and deprivation and I don't see it that way at all. I see this creativity that I've been able to tap into that is really satisfying to me. It doesn't feel like deprivation. It feels freaking fun. (laughs) There you go. Heck yeah. Okay. So when you say 60% of your income, how do you save 60% of your income? How? Um, Well, it's a pretty simple concept in that what you're trying to do is grow the gap between your income and your expenses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you can, and I mean, I encourage people to focus on both ends of that, right? I, I did grow my income to a place where I'm very comfortable. I, I'm at a place now on my income that I'm not aggressively trying to increase it. Um, Okay. I think, I think. At, at the stage that I'm in, if I tried to increase my income, I'd be sacrificing other things that I really enjoy about my life right now. Mm-hmm. And so if I never get another raise, that's totally fine with me. Okay. Um, so where I focus on is um, decreasing expenses, but I got myself to a point where my frugal muscles are pretty strong that it's become like second nature to me. So okay. I'm at a point where I don't really have to think about it. Um, it's just kind of my norm is to cook every meal and to not buy clothing and to just not buy things that I don't need. And then if I do need something, my standard way of thinking about things are, are there other more resourceful ways of getting that need met? So if I need something, can I borrow it? Can I buy it used? Do I actually have something else in the house that could fit that need that I could repurpose? Um, Kind of going through that mental exercise before that knee jerk reaction of just hopping on Amazon and buying something Mm -hmm. um, has really benefited me in like keeping my expenses low. Um, But yeah, I mean, when you grow that gap, then the, the goal is kind of to protect that gap. So as you make more money or your like circumstances change and you're able to reduce your expenses further, 
can can you protect that gap and not let like lifestyle inflation creep in? Like, ooh, I'm making a lot more money now. Let me like upgrade all of my stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, can can you not take that and instead take that gap and invest it? Um, so basically, what I'm doing with the, my 60% savings is um, first and foremost, I max out all of my retirement accounts. So 401k, HSA, IRA maxing all of those out. So that's like money that is coming out of my paycheck that I just never see. I mean, I never pay attention to that. So that's just a way, right? Um, and then after my monthly expenses, whatever is left over, um, currently I'm throwing it into this conference. So I've, I've kind of stopped the index fund investing that I was doing previously, but any, any access, I'm just throwing at low fee index funds. I'm a pretty passive investor. Um, there, there are definitely ways that you can be more aggressive about it. I know people that are into real estate investing that are doing some pretty incredible things with their money. Um, it, it, it's, it's more risk. It takes a lot more work, but it certainly has a, a, high, a potential higher payoff. Um, I'm, I'm pretty passive. I'm, I'm just doing low fee index funds and that's that. But there's a book that really helped me wrap my head around investing called The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins. And that, that made me a lot more comfortable uh, to be able to manage my finances on my own. Mm. Cool. Do you like, did you just choose 60% or was like your mentor to do 60%? No, I mean, it just worked out that way. Like that's, I, I, my expenses are my expenses my income. No, gotcha. Income. Okay. And, and Fair like enough. the difference is sec- it's not like I'm working towards 60%. It's just, that's what it is. Okay. You just, yeah. okay. Okay. So for Sammy down the street, it might be 30%. Yeah. Okay. There's not. But the reality like, is that most people aren't saving anything. So yeah. don't, don't think that you have to save 60%. That's my unique circumstance. I okay. mean, if you're saving five, if you're saving 10, anything that you can do to increase your financial literacy and increase your safety net is beneficial just because it's not 50, 60% doesn't mean that it's a waste. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I understand. That's uh, well, that's awesome. Like usually you hear people say I save 20% or 10%. 60% like good for you. Thanks. Dang. Yeah. I mean, I think the goal is just save as much as you can without sacrificing what matters to you. And so if that works out to be 60% or 30%, then great. Um, the, I don't think the point is to like torture yourself in the pursuit of a savings rate. Yeah. 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 One of my first mentors, uh, he is a film producer in Africa and he, he does really well for himself, but then I would see him drive like a 1989 Ford or like a 1993 Subaru. I'm like, what? Like, but what was is... he happy? Did he care? Was he embarrassed about the car that he drove? No, he loves it. He's like, yeah. he would try. Like he, at one point, he tried a more. He bought like a 2010 Pathfinder or something, and he's like, I don't like it. I want to go back to my my car and like he does really like it's just i never like up until like two years ago i didn't understand what he was doing yeah i mean i think that it's it's a great example of like he probably spends money on other things that really matter to him yeah um you know i think wasn't it isn't it warren buffett like works at he lives in a really modest home that he bought in like the 70s right upgraded yeah that guy could live in a mansion if he wanted to but he doesn't care about that you know, I, I think that's really, um, it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I see like kids my age, um, I'm 26 and they're driving like hundred thousand dollar trucks or I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. What? I mean, they're choosing to take on that debt for potentially for a status symbol or, you know, I, I like to say that it's not enough to not buy the Tesla. You actually have to not want it. And that's a whole different conversation. Um, mm. You know, I. Well, let's get I, into that. Yeah. What do you mean? Well, I think that like actually Mr. Money Mustache says that luxury is a weakness. If if you require luxuries to feel satisfied, well, then like what if you lose your job tomorrow? Or what if, you know, life throws you a curveball? Are you really able to adapt? 
Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with liking nice things. I mean, I certainly feel really comfortable in, you know, the way that I live my life and I spend money on, I mean, I spend money on travel. I spend money on, um, actually going to a lot of events and it's not cheap, but it's, it's what I enjoy. So, I mean, I think if you really, really enjoy that luxury car and every time you get in it, it gives you like an amazing feeling. Well, then that's one thing, but there is a concept of, you know, hedonic adaptation where that, that car that costs you that much money three months from now is just going to be a car that drives you around. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's, you're going to feel the same way when you get in that car as I do when I get in my 2010 Mazda three, you know? So to me, I would rather spend my resources um, where I think they're going to have a bigger impact. And I've just learned that stuff and material possessions just don't really do it for me. Mm -hmm. And there's a sense of freedom in that. Like, so here's an example in my neighborhood right now, we're having a problem with um, a couple of kids are like breaking into the houses around here. And it oh, almost really? seems like every day on like we, I don't know if you have used Nextdoor. Nextdoor is kind of like a website where, especially when you own a, own a home, you can get connected to your neighbors and like share information about things that are going on in the neighborhood or I lost my dog. Can you guys help me find like, it's oh, like it's like the way. internet neighborhood watch. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's a great way to put it. Um, and so I keep seeing these emails about like all these break-ins happening. And I was thinking to myself, like, should I, should I get a security system? And I'm looking around my house and I'm like, what are they going to take? <laughs> I, don't, I don't see anything in my house that would be a huge problem if it was stolen. There's a sense of freedom there. Yeah. You know, like if I, if something happened to my car, or my car broke down, like, it was a $6,000 car. I'll buy another one. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Right. I think mm-hmm. when you, when you own really expensive stuff, well, now you got to protect it and now you got to maintain it. And now, you know, it's just, a, it's a level of like stress almost that I don't feel like I need in my life because I, I don't get satisfaction from stuff. I get satisfaction from relationships and the work that I'm doing and creativity and experiences um, that is where the thrills come from for me, but you know, everybody's different. I'm, you know, I, I, I can only speak for myself. I can't, you know, say that, you know, everybody get rid of your stuff because it's not going to bring you satisfaction. Like who knows, maybe you really do need that Tesla. Who, what am I to say? It's none of my business. What you do with your money. That's- hey, throw back <laughs> to your podcast. <laughs> Right on. I love it. I love it. Oh, there you go. So you said a couple things of what you did in your free time, but say in eight years, say you retired tomorrow, mm-hmm. not in eight years. Mm-hmm. You have the day to yourself, the perfect day, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. How would you spend that day? I'd say very similar to how I'm spending it now. Um, I'd, oh. go f- I'd go for a walk with my dog. I would cook. Well, so, okay, let's start from waking up in the morning then. Okay. So I'd wake up in the morning. I'd take my dog for a walk. I'd come back and I'd make coffee and I'd make a beautiful omelet, like with like smoked salmon and goat cheese and like just like a fancy omelet. Ooh, that actually sounds delicious. Yeah. And then I would read something inspiring and I would meditate. And I would go do some hot yoga. Love, love me some hot yoga. Um, and then I would figure out like, like meeting up with, for coffee with someone and just like daydreaming and dreaming up things we want to do with our time. Um, I'd hang out with my boyfriend and cook him a meal and, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would probably have a dinner party. I love having dinner parties. I love hiking. Um, I'm trying to think, like, what else would I do with my day? Yeah, I mean, it's it's like basically what I'm already doing. Awesome. <laughs> and like working on this conference, I mean, I can't tell you. I mean, it, it, I've definitely gone through some hard times with this, but like 
this is so much fun. Like I get to, I get to do this. Like, look what we're doing right now. This is a result of me creating a business and needing to spread the word about it. And now we get to have this awesome conversation. Same thing with like reaching out to, to find my speakers. I'm like sending all these cold emails and like, I'm a nobody in this space. I don't have a blog. I don't have a podcast. Like I'm not an authority figure in the fire movement. And so to, to share my dream of what I want to do with these people that are like really established in the space. And then they respond to me and validate my idea and want to join me on this journey. Like that feels so freaking good. You know, Mr. Okay. This is like, to me, the most successful moment of creating this conference, Mr. Money Mustache. He changed my life. That is the blog that started everything for me. That's amazing. And like when I got out of debt, I wrote him like a letter about how much he's helped me. And like that guy is like my hero. He's my Mm -hmm. idol. And he promoted the conference the other day. Really? Posted on on Facebook and encouraged people to go and like really like communicated his support for this thing. Do you have any idea how that feels? That's amazing. Have your idol just like, I mean, I can't. I just can't even describe it. And then like, I'm going on campus and you know, the event is at the university of Cincinnati and I'm offering students half price tickets. And so in order to spread the word, you know, I'm getting in front of all of these classrooms and student groups and I'm telling them my story. I'm telling them why this matters and I'm telling them why they should come to this event and it's blowing their minds, you know, like that they're, they're so curious. They've never heard any, they've never heard of this before. I mean, I, I cannot think of any examples that I had when I was younger of someone like me. I, I, I've never, you know, like I I can just see it on their faces that it's really having an impact on them. And they're so curious and they're asking such smart questions. And it's just so gratifying to me to see the impact I'm having on them. So yeah, if I was retired, I would be doing this. (laughs) Like, this is what I want to do with my time. That's awesome. Wow. I love how passionate you are about this. And just thank you. For the people who can't see you, she's just like glowing. It's just like, <laughs> ah, I'm almost blinded. So it's and you're just smiling, and every time your eyes just light up. Like if yeah, anybody like, my eyes tend to like pop out of my head when I'm like really enthusiastic about something. Yeah, it's yeah. it's amazing. Like I I hope everyone who has the opportunity can make it out to Cincinnati to go to this because like, I wish it was like tomorrow in my backyard. Cause I'm like, I'm, t- I'm in, let's go. Like, <laughs> let's, let's go. Uh, just the way you're talking about it and the way it just, I can see that you're very passionate about it. I am. And you're actually, the work that you're doing is important in that. Like, and you're yeah. not maybe, like, that's, that's the important part. You know, it's, um, it's funny, like how you kind of, when you want to start something or you have like, you know, a entrepreneurial itch, I think you kind of go through this process where you have to continually remind yourself of why you're doing this because it will get hard. Mm-hmm. And there have been many moments during this process where it was really hard. And I remember when I first committed to the idea Um, I was at another event there. there, There's another event that was a huge inspiration to me called world domination summit. Have you heard of it? No, I have not. So they've had a 10 year run. They get like 2000 people to spend $700 each to go to Portland for this event. And it is a very well-produced event. And it's basically very similar to the format that I'm doing. Um, where they've, they have amazing speak speakers that are all living very unconventional lives and kind of sharing their stories and, and, you know, approaching things from a lot of different angles, but the people that you meet when you're there and like, every time I leave, I'm so inspired. And I just feel like, man, I got to do something with myself, you know, like I, I want to do something. And so I've had, I've had this idea brewing for a long time, but it, it originally came to me before I walked to the Camino and I couldn't commit to it because I was about to go on this life adventure. And like, I thought anything could happen. Like I can't commit to a big project until I kind of sort myself out and see where I net out after that experience. Um, But after I came back to the Camino, I went to world domination summit again, and I decided to commit to doing this event. And I remember 
um, being with a friend that I met there and he had, um, like a co-working space that we hung out in, um, the next day, like before my flight out. And we just journaled, like we sat there for hours and we journaled just digesting this like we incredible weekend and everything we learned. And I wrote like 12 pages in my journal, all the reasons why I wanted to do this. Yeah. And, and and I had to get really clear on that because, you know, you kind of, you have to learn to trust your instincts. And I've really struggled with that, like in decisions that I've made and like, am I doing the right thing? And I think that I've, I've always kind of sought external validation on like, should I be doing this or should I do that? And so I really had to like ask myself, why am I doing this? Is it because I can't think of anything better? You know, do I really want to do this or do I feel like I have to do this? Is there some kind of like pressure to do a thing that, you know, what is my real reason? And it's definitely evolved over time. Now I feel like my, my real reason is that I want to share this with people. I want to create community. I, this has changed my life and I feel like it's really valuable and I want to share it with people, but you know, it's, it's also really hard. And so rereading like the reasons why I wanted to do this and in the, those hard moments, like can definitely bring me back to the right mindset and I need to have the right motivation to do this in order for it to be sustainable over time because I'm not making money off of it. So if I'm not making money and I'm not enjoying it and I'm wishy-washy about the core reasons of even doing it, then it's going to be not, it's, it's not going to be successful in any way. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so yeah, it's definitely been a journey, man. What what do you think is like some of the hardest things that you had to overcome during this? my own insecurities bar none it was the hardest thing for me because when i when i was in this place of like really enjoying it i was reaching out to speakers and i was setting up podcasts like scheduling them not actually recording them yet and like figuring out the venue and the logistics and like dreaming up how i was going to do this thing and it was a lot of like background work um and like figuring out what's the name i mean that was really hard originally i wanted to call this conference frugal as fuck <laughs> that oh I thought why didn't funny. you yeah so first of all and i and it's not even about cursing like i don't i mean i curse all the time it i liked that it was polarizing because i think a good brand needs to be polarizing so i kind of liked that and it was very much in line with like my personality yeah. um but the reality is that this conference isn't about being frugal. So like the name didn't do it justice. Like it's so much bigger than just being frugal. So it almost like it didn't communicate what this event is about properly. It didn't do it justice. And so that was a big reason. And also regardless of like, like if I started a blog or something and it was just me, then sure. Like, let me be over the top. But the fact that I'm asking speakers and established people and like, especially like reaching out for sponsors and wanting to do it at UC, um, it's not just about me and my creative expression. I'm asking other people to attach themselves to my brand. And so I want to be respectful of that, but then also be respectful of like what I want to create and like what makes this fun for me. So it was a little bit of a balance, but I think the name, it was three months of just like what the hell to call this thing. And then I ended up posting on Reddit. There's a thread on Reddit or a subreddit called I need a name. And people will kind of, a lot of times it's like, I need a name for my kid. What do I call this thing? (laughs) But, but I just did a post that was like, here's this, this event, here's the, the essence of it. What do I call this thing? And some guy commented with economy. Mm. And I wrote him and was like, dude, you have a free ticket to this event. Like, you know, I mean, he gave me the name and he never wrote me back, but I don't know, maybe he'll hear this and, and know that it was him and he'll write me back. Cause I would love for him to come and see like what has come out of his just typing in a computer one day, you know? Right. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. But I will say, you know, you were, we we're talking about like the hard aspects of this when I was just like in the background doing all like this grunt work 
it, I really liked it and I enjoyed it and I could see it coming together, but probably around mid July, like right before I was, all the podcasts were really coming out and like starting to record those. It was almost like I reached this turning point where I had to be really public, like about myself, about what I'm creating. I was really putting it out there and I didn't realize how insecure that was going to make me feel because I never wanted this event to be about me. To Mm. me, I'm not an expert in the fire movement. I've attracted experts. Like all those speakers know so much more than me. So I wanted to like elevate them and their content. And I just saw myself as like an event organizer, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm just in the background as an event organizer. And, and I think I've had to really overcome my insecurities and, and recognize that I do have a good story. I do have something to say. I do have my own voice and my own spin on what this movement can do absolutely and um and and you know from the other podcasts that i've done and and the student groups and like the emails that i get from people i actually have a folder i call juice and when anyone sends me a nice email about the work that i'm doing i put it in the juice folder because sometimes i gotta take a sip of the nice juice that's i love (laughs) having a hard time oh that's such Um, a great idea yeah yeah i Uh, love it actually one of my speakers is rose lunsbury and she gave me that idea because i sent her a really nice email and she was like i'm convinced every entrepreneur has to have a folder where they save all these emails um but yeah i mean recognizing like the impact that this can have on people Mm kind of helped me overcome my own insecurities because it's still not about me. Yes, I am talking about myself, but it's still not about me. It's about the impact that that can have. And so I need to get out of my own way and just tell my damn story. (laughs) Are you getting on your own stage? Yeah, I'm going to emcee the event. Cool. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Right on. You know, I interview people sometimes three, four times a day. But when I'm being interviewed, I'm like, I don't know what to say. Like all this judge, like each time it gets a little bit better and better, but like having it reverse, it's, it's different. And it was a lot of fear. So thank you for coming on here and sharing your story and sharing something that you're passionate about and sharing things that you probably, you know, would only write in your diary. So thank you. Absolutely. I this appreciate was a really that. fun conversation. I really appreciate um, you taking the time and the opportunity to share some of this stuff. Yeah, of course. So I got a couple last questions for you. Sure. One, where can people find you? So economyconference.com. And remember that economy has M-E at the end. Economyconference.com. That's where you can see all the details of the event. You can read about the speakers. You can buy tickets. You can, there's a contact form if you want to send me a note um, that I can put in the nice juice folder. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's a ton of information on the website. We also have a Facebook page. So if you just... Um, search economy conference on Facebook. Um, you'll see the page and there's also a a group there that you can interact with other attendees. It's called the fueling the fire group. Mm. Um, So it's attached to my Facebook page. And then you can find me on Instagram at economy con. Economy con. Love it. Cool. And everything, the spelling for everything guys will be in the show notes. So that'll be easy. The website will be too. So, I'm glad that you're sitting down for this one. Are you ready? I'm ready. What is your message to the world? Let your curiosity be bigger than your fear. Oh, love it. Love it. Right on. Hey guys, what's up? I hope you enjoyed that episode with Diana. So, she has a special offer for you guys and you guys only. So, if you want to go to this amazing event, you have a 10% off general admission tickets with the discount code NONE OF YOUR BUSINESS. All caps spelled out, none of your business, just like the show.
And if you want to rate and review and follow me and Diana at Economy, that's E-C-O-N-O-M-E-C-O-N on Instagram, Facebook. But take a screenshot of the review. Rate and review us on iTunes. Share with a friend. Um, follow me on Instagram at Robert Delude. Facebook, Robert Delude. But rate and review. And uh, follow us on Instagram. And you and your partner or whatever can get two free tickets to this event in Cincinnati. So, anyways, I am probably not making any sense right now. But that is what's up. So... Everything you're going to need to know is in the show notes. And again, guys, thank you again from listening from the heart and absorbing. We're in this together. And it doesn't matter what our struggles is. It doesn't matter what our background is. It doesn't matter the color of our skin, where we're from. We all have a struggle. We, we all have a story to tell. We all have a struggle. And that struggle makes a story. And that story leads us how we become successful and help one another so i love you guys um keep on keeping on